We're going to uh, just take a moment to, to chat with George uh, together. Uh, the, the, the arrangement for this part is that it got as far as I'll ask the questions. Uh, and uh, so here we go. George, we're, we're delighted to have you with us. I, I guess that different people here have seen you in different contexts uh, around the place. The jacket is well known to us as a, a visual aid, as is the, the, the ball behind us. Well, and, and when we think about our own Christian journey, I'm getting to the question in a minute. When we think about our own Christian journey, we kind of think, well, it, it, what difference can I make? Uh, and what's always impressed me about George is the difference that he's made. What drives you when you get up in the morning? What's it all about, really, when you strip it all away? Well, around? I think it's, for me, it's all about Jesus and his word. I've based my whole life since my conversion, I'll tell you about that later, on the, that the Bible is true. And the Bible said, go into all the world. The Bible says all kinds of challenging things. And I just try to live those things out from the moment I wake up, which is usually pretty early, until I go to bed, making each uh, minute. I've read another number of interesting articles about how, like in the Olympics, even 30 seconds can make all the difference between winning and losing. And so without getting too neurotic or extreme, I just try to redeem every uh, minute of the day for building his kingdom, for helping the poor, for reaching people with the gospel. Brilliant. So if we click on Operation Mobilization's website, we're immediately amazed by the breadth of missionary activity, both in terms of it being around the world and in the various aspects of it, from ships to all kinds of things. Uh, give us just a little insight into that story. Well, it all started, and I'll be amplifying it later, but it all started with a mother, a praying woman, I think also my own mother, who wasn't really following Jesus, but she was definitely a seeker. But this woman across from my high school, a godly mother, there I think four or five children, heard about me and just um, put my name on her like Holy Ghost hit list. And uh, not only did she pray that I become a Christian, and a very ordinary woman in many ways, never became well-known, but she prayed that I would become a uh, missionary. So all of OM's history can really be traced back to that one uh, amazing woman, a woman of prayer, a woman of vision, a woman of action. And where did OM start? What, what well, three of us then, uh, I, I came to Jesus, and all kinds of things began to happen in my high school that she had been praying for for 15 years, secondary school. And so people started to come into Jesus, and I started prayer meetings, and I started show films, and I started selling books door to door, and I started a little organization, and then I went to Mexico. Three of us went to Mexico. We were uh, getting old by then. We were 19, and uh, it just exploded, really. Um, we were one of the founders of short-term missions without even realizing it. And uh, so when I left university, went to Moody Bible Institute where I graduated and met my wife. And off we went to Spain. And it was really through a blunder. Um, I was smuggling Bibles into the Soviet Union in the summer. I was 50 years this coming summer. And before that, my vision was just Muslim countries, closed countries, and communist countries. So it was very narrow, really. And I didn't know how this was going to happen. And so I challenged my best friend, Dale Rotan, to go to Turkey, and he was headed there. And I went to the Soviet Union, but in my third day there, due to a stupid mistake, I was arrested by the KGB, accused of being a spy, 
So that was a disaster. Eventually, they threw me out of the country. I went for a day of prayer. That's when God gave me the vision for Britain and the name Operation Mobilization, that we needed to mobilize Europe, not to think in terms of my own country, America, but to think in terms of mobilizing Europeans. And that's when I turned the work in Spain over to Spaniards and others, and I came to London. Britain was absolutely ripe for the message that was on my heart. Radical discipleship, total commitment, make use of your summer for Jesus, and world missions. And especially at Cambridge and Oxford, God had prepared so many students who became the original sort of fighting force of OM, and it's been growing ever since. Brilliant. And so you travel extensively, obviously, and you see the state, the good and the bad, the ugly of the church, and you see the good, bad, and ugly are in the world. What are the big issues in the church, and what are the big issues in the world just now? Well, the biggest issue we all know about in the world is the crisis in the Middle East and North Africa. This is the heartland of our ministry. We have 800 people working among Muslims. Uh, So uh, Libya has been like a primary target. Our ship had just been in Libya before this crisis. And um, these, these are big challenges. Spiritually, of course, these represent the more unreached nations of the world. Egypt, much less than, say, Libya or Tunisia or, say, Yemen. Attached to Yemen, you have a little island right here. See that island? Uh, That's not a single known believer uh, among the Socotra people. Uh, The challenge to the church, I think, is always to get back to the Bible, to see people making sure they're living in the reality of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Revelation, be hot, be cold. If you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. You know, we need to make sure we're, you know, we're not, lukewarm, that we're on fire for Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be like me, loud or extrovert. My wife's actually a very quiet, behind-the-scenes person, but she's on fire for Jesus. It's the inner fire, uh, not the outward noise, though some of us have to cope with that. (laughs) You wouldn't know anything about that, right? (laughs) So, so one of the things, uh, if, if, if you get to know George a little bit, you'll know about his passion for praying for things right around the world. Uh, What sustains that passion for you? Many of us find prayer hard, and we are in awe at the the, the quantity and the the frequency and the regularity with which you bring situations around the world to God in prayer. Just give us an encouragement from your experience. Yeah, we're all different, and some people grow slower into some of these things. But in my life, I was propelled into it because what God was doing in the high school and the influence of my spiritual father, Billy Graham, who was very strong on prayer, even pushed me into uh, starting a night of prayer, which has continued in our work around the world all these years, more of a half night. So it's just a conviction that God answers prayer, the biblical teaching about prayer, which I'm, and I think it's easier for those of us who are teaching about prayer to make sure we are praying then to some of you, maybe maybe you've never had the opportunity to teach about prayer, put on the spot. I, I think it's harder then for you to be uh, motivated maybe at times to get to the prayer meeting and to be involved in prayer. <coughs> so just two, two, two final things. Uh, firstly, the ships. Uh, I remember as a little boy going on the ships and like, wow. Tell us, just a, give us a little window about the ships for those of us here that, who don't know. Yeah, the ship was the biggest gamble in my life, and I had quite a lot of opposition. The idea came, and 
After I traveled in other ships, I came to Europe on the Queen Elizabeth. I traveled to India on the Vietnam. We were living in India. And we had about three, 200 vehicles crisscrossing the whole world, literally reaching millions and millions with the gospel. But the more we saw the map of the world, you know, there's a lot of blue. And I was, it was in a converted pub in Bolton, Lancashire, where my wife and I were living for a short time. I thought, we need a ship. And I started to do some research. Our whole vehicle thing had been built on vehicles, old vehicles being sold cheap, right, right in London. And so I wondered, does, is that, can that exist for ships? Because we didn't have a lot of money, and we weren't the kind of people that just dreamed that like money was just going to fall out of a tree. Every pound for us was a battle. And I discovered that old ships were really selling cheap. And we were always gifted at recruiting engineers and mechanics, people who know how to repair things. And so God led us to get that first ship. We're just celebrating 40 years since my wife and I and our whole family, three children, sailed around the whole of Africa and birthed the ship ministry. We have had 40 very, very successful, amazing years. 100 million people have received the word of God through the ship ministry. 30 million have been up the gangway. And uh, many, many dozens and dozens of ministries have been born. New churches have been born. And our own work was strengthened through this. Joseph D'Souza had his life changed on the ship, a dynamic Indian who leads our work in India. And they have planted 3,000 churches in five years. They've opened 100 schools for the Dalits, the untouchables. Those things in the early days of OM were unthinkable. They were beyond us. But God, through the ship and global mobilization, he did it. There's now 6,000 people. By the way, I've been completely out of leadership uh, for seven and a half years. It's led now by a more stable, balanced, theologically tuned Englishman named Peter Maiden. And uh, I've just been released to preach and to recruit and to raise funds. And I'm really encouraged about this um, offering you're going to take after the meeting. I think I'll stay for that meeting. And uh, that sounds really exciting. I do have to get a 12, 1130 train to Scotland out of uh, Euston Station in case any of you have a hot sports car. Hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, that, that, that's quite serious. We need to get George into London tonight, and the trains aren't running this evening. So, so well, they're running, but no. in that way. One, one last question. We're yeah. kind of a mothering theme and a family theme. You've talked about how, how uh, attractive you were to your, your almost-to-be wife in those early days. Uh, George and I shared a room. In 1989, in Utrecht, in Holland, there were 10,000 other people in that room as well. It was the New Year's Eve, 1989, going into 1990. Kerry and I were there for a missionary conference. I was trying to draw her in by taking her to a missionary conference for a thumbs up. So the dormitory in which she slept had about 5,000 other people. She was not as impressed as I intended her to be. Neither was I for that matter. Uh, But that evening, when you led the prayer meeting through the night, we got engaged. Amen. Where is she? Which one is this? And, and I know uh, that on your heart is marriage, family, relationships. It's been so much of the bedrock of, of, of what you're about. Uh, one encouragement to Christian families. Well, keep on keeping on. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. All of us as families, we will have our disappointments. We will have our heartbreaks. We will have prayers that don't seem to get answered. But, you know, what are the other options? 
walking away from Jesus, walking away from the word of God, I don't think that should be an option. Even in our darkest moments, somebody once said to me, don't get off a train when it's in the tunnel. And we've tried to practice that in our marriage. Sometimes we really felt we were in a bit of a tunnel uh, in what we were attempting to do.